Guys, hello, we've come back. I know it's been two weeks. I'm sure you've missed us, but we are back with a bang. Yeah, we were back at it again. I feel like it was weird. Oh my God, I just said your catchphrase. I know, back I was at it again. I hate myself. But um, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like I was going to... Like, I missed it last week when we didn't do it, is what I was trying to say. I feel like I was, I missed it. Like, I was like, oh. But then having said that, it was also nice to have a little bit of a break. I feel like we've been fairly go, go, going for the last like six, seven weeks. So just like, you know, a little recess was nice. It was. I'm going to just remove the curtain here a little bit, guys, and let you see the inner workings here. We, so pretty much last week's problem was that we had scheduling issues. So we had to take a week off, unfortunately. However, that shouldn't be happening now in the future because things have freed up a little bit for us. So much so that we kind of are getting a better, a better kind of go at our scheduling and our editing and everything. So don't worry, we're going to be constant. However, Mr. Alex over here wanted and suggested that we start doing this every two weeks. The two week thing was just a suggestion I made in the sense that if we have a slow news week, it was just a suggestion. I mean, look, guys, we're feeling things out still. Um, I think our current plan is for us to just keep doing these every week. And then in the summertime, we're really going to like push it a little bit more. I think we're still trying to just find our zone, our flow, all that jazz. So, you know, yeah, it was a suggestion. You know, I also suggested today that I just said suggested, but I meant suggested. I also suggested today that we record in the morning. And I don't know how, Laura, you feel about this whole thing. Guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like I'm trying very hard to be as open with you as possible so that we have a lovely working relationship between the two of us. Well, there's more of us. There's between the several of us. I don't know who's out there. Hey, guys. But I'm not a morning person. I pretty much scraped myself out of bed this morning to get coffee. And while I did so, while I made my coffee, was so not geared up that I tried to put the kettle back into the fridge. So yeah, not my time, but look, myself and Alex were looking to compromise. Yeah, look, it's just another suggestion. We usually record these in the depths of nighttime and that's not really my zone of activity. Like I tend to like clock out of life at about like 7 p.m. Like I'm literally like, okay, you know, I'm just counting down the minutes until I get into bed. So, you know, we will. compromising is crucial and we will hopefully find a middle ground that suits us both. Exactly, guys. That's all we can do. We can just keep trying, keep keep looking to make ourselves better and just keep trying new things. But I think, Al, it's time that we start discussing our topics of the week. Okay, I feel like let's just get right into it. So I think we would be remiss to not mention or to not, at least not to start with necessarily the starting order. I think this week we have a couple of topics that we're all very invested in. So the running order isn't necessarily a sign of importance. More so, it's just the kind of random order that we've decided to discuss things in. So I think we'll start with little Nas X, who I'm sure we're all aware of, but if not, we will briefly run over that. So basically, he is this American SoundCloud rapper type thing. He was on this app called TikTok, which I don't know if anyone else is, like, I think we're probably out of that demographic for that app lore i don't know but i know all my like little like cousins are like tiktok is so cool or whatever it's basically this it's kind of like vine but you lip sync to music on it and it stuff goes viral and this is kind of initially where Lil Nas started out and he was posted this his song and it was kind of turned into this like cowboy meme old town road so it kicks off and it does really well on the billboard it starts to go viral um the Billboard charts take into account stuff like hits and views and plays on radio, plays on apps like that would all be counted. So it starts to like gain some real traction on the Billboard, not on the Hot 100 necessarily. I think it got gets number like number fifteen, I think, but it was pretty much number one on the country Billboard. So it's basically this like kind of hybrid, this like trap rap country hybrid. It's I don't know how we feel about that song, but it's a little bit. We'll we'll discuss how we feel about the song after. But basically it gets to number one on the country billboard and billboard pulled it from the charts claiming that it w- its inclusion was some type of mistake and that it wasn't meant to be included in the country charts and that it was somehow it's not a country song. But I think it is undeniably a country song. If anyone has listened to the song, it that's what it is. It's not a, like it isn't anything but a country song. So this controversy surrounds it and it becomes this whole thing about why are the billboards like turning their back on black artists and black country music artists in like specifics. 
And anyway, so he doesn't chart, but then he releases this remix, remix with Billy Ray Cyrus, who was obviously Miley Cyrus's dad of achy breaky heart fame initially. And now that song has gone everywhere and is number one on the Hot 100. So like the main Billboard chart is now number one. I think it's confirmed that it's going to be spent three weeks there. This is its third week. and I think it's like predicted. So it's pretty much a given. So that's three weeks at number one. But the whole thing is fairly, it's, I think we can really dissect it and gain a lot of kind of insight into the workings of the music industry via that song. I think that's a really interesting point to make, Al, because to be honest, I hadn't kind of looked at it through that lens because basically when I'd heard that it had been like pulled back and that it was, I didn't really focus on it. It's not music that I would listen to personally. And then when I did hear it, it didn't draw me in. It's just... It's not something that I will be replaying. But I hadn't kind of looked at it through the race lens. And I didn't look at it through this whole, like, I, just, I didn't address that at all. Because to be perfectly honest, I didn't know the ethnicity of anyone who was involved. Because I don't, I am not a TikTok kind of person. And I'm not going to criticize anyone who partakes in the L TikTok. Because I know for a fact that minimum one of our listeners loves TikTok. I won't get into my knowledge of this. But there's someone who listens actively to us who loves TikTok. So... Hello to you. You know who you are. But it's just, to be honest, I'm delighted for your man Little Nas X that, you know, that, that he's absolutely trumped the country billboard charts and been like, well, you know what? I've got Billy Ray Cyrus on my side and now I've pretty much everyone on my side. Miley Cyrus, without her, like she completely plugged that song because her dad was involved. And so I'd say she was fairly instrumental in getting a fair few more listens from a, like a, say for instance, a music community that wouldn't have listened to the song originally. So I'm delighted that your man has completely turned the tables on the situation and is now going into his third week of number one. Yeah, he's definitely turned it all around and it is fairly inspiring thing to do. I think Billy Ray, I mean, who would have thought 2019 Billy Ray Cyrus would be out here making such a splash, but here we are and that's what he's been doing. And I mean, like fair play to him as well, but also like the cynic in me is kind of like, well, okay, the song was like kind of a bona fide hit. It was on everyone's lips. Everyone was tweeting about it, talking about it. So it was probably a fairly easy decision to make for him to jump on something like that. It's not like, okay, Billy Ray Cyrus is obviously a country artist, but he hasn't had a hit in a fairly long time. I think we're talking decades here. So, you know, he had nothing to lose, but it's still, it was a nice thing for him to do. I think the whole, you know, white country artist saving the black country artist is still like slightly problematic, but we're happy that everything's kind of turned around and the song has at least found itself charging in the position that it deserves to be charted in definitely and i think it is important for everyone to factor in the race lens because again like say for instance i hadn't noticed it at all because it's not a song that i was particularly interested in so therefore i wasn't looking into any videos and i wasn't looking into its origins but i'm just again so i think what you're saying that the whole kind of say for instance like the the what's what's the term i'm looking for here the kind of the savior aspect in terms of like without the white man the black man couldn't have prospered and to be honest there, there there is evidence of that there because it got pulled back from the country billboard but look i'm happy for him that it's working out and hopefully it's going to now open some doors into a reality as to where there are problems in the music industry still because there just continues to be but hopefully it just means that say for instance if little Nas X has another song that is a banger that he gets the recognition that he deserves for it. Yes, hopefully. I think it's interesting just in a sense that, you know, white rappers aren't taken out of the, you know, the hip hop charts or I don't know if there's a rap, top rap 100. I don't think there is actually. But um, in this case, a black artist was taken off the country chart, which was, you know, as we would assume, a hugely white based genre so like but i always think country is as much as like country music i think has its really like adamant fans it's very for me i struggle in the sense that i think it's very insular and i think if you're not like a white straight man with a guitar country doesn't really want to hear you or if then you know even if we are moving away from like that kind of stereotype and that kind of identification someone like casey musgraves is shunned by the country world because she's a you know a kind of liberal woman and you know she's into drugs and like and that's enough for the country world to turn her back turn their back on her so i'm not surprised that they didn't want a black artist up there like you know the top the peak of their kind of charts but i'm also it's slightly worrying that they felt like they could still do it and there wouldn't be any type of repercussions which thankfully there were some serious online 
debate about it, which is exactly the thing that you don't want your organization being discussed in. Again, a good point made. Like it's kind of, it's just, it's kind of mad to still see how such a huge institution, such as like the billboard charts have this small branch office that can still have so much power in terms of how it's going to affect musicians today. And just because they don't conform to the ideals that they have. So look again, Casey completely trumped them as we saw in the Grammys and as we discussed earlier, a few earlier episodes on and now Lil Nas, Lil Nas, yeah, Lil Nas X. And like, I'm just proud of the fact that they're making the waves that they should be and that even that the internet is catching on to, to have these debates and to have these discussions because so many things can just go, you know, flying over our heads. So I'm glad people are catching these things. Yes, me too. But having said that, having said that, the song is trash. I don't want to listen to the song. I have no interest in the song. It's not, I feel like it's, I don't like novelty pop and it, that isn't, it's not pop, but it's, I think it's a novelty type of track. It's kind of like almost like a pastiche of both of those genres. So it's not my vibe, but it's clearly a lot of people's vibes. So well done, Lil Nas X. Yeah, well done, Lil Nas X. Again, it's not something that I am putting on my playlist or that I'm listening to every day, but if it floats your boat, guys, I'm happy that you like it. So I guess we can move on from Lil Nas X and we're going to continue with, I guess, black musicians. And we're probably going to talk about the most important black artists of our time. Perhaps, well, actually, probably the most important artist of our time, Beyonce. Okay, very bold statement to make, but go on, go for it. Tell me. A bold statement, but I mean, you know, I feel like I'm going to stand by it. So basically, Beyonce released her Netflix documentary on her Coachella set last year on Wednesday. It simultaneously dropped with a live album of said concert. And it's pretty much been a really, really strong reminder of the power that is Beyonce knows. I feel like she occupies this space in our culture that everything she seems to do is, unless Jay-Z is involved, I feel like the Jay-Z slash Beyonce album, um, Everything is Love. Okay, yeah, it was nominated for a couple of Grammys, but it wasn't as like memeable or as kind of internet worthy or as zeitgeisty as anything else Beyonce ever does. This is definitely homecoming. This is, I'm talking about, is definitely zeitgeisty. It is definitely in the moment, like it's all anyone's talking about. And I would think rightfully so. I, okay. So I feel I need to give myself a little preamble here. I like pretty much the majority of the world. I love Beyonce. I think her music is incredible. She's a phenomenal performer. She's kind of, in a way, I suppose some people kind of debate that she's like this goddess form. Some people debate that she's a bit of a robot because she's untouchable because there's no one like her. Particularly, there's no other woman like her. There's no other black artist like her. She's very in her own realm and she dominates it. Saying this, I haven't watched the documentary. Um, I feel like throughout this whole podcast, it, I'm making myself seem really uncultured because I don't watch documentaries. The only reason why I haven't watched this one is I haven't had had the opportunity to dedicate to it however i am oh and i feel like alex is going to kill me for this i'm a little bit hmm, i don't look at her with the rose tinted glasses i feel everyone else does i am i'm mm, god i feel like i'm gonna get so much backlash for this i'm a little over the beyonce effect so here's what i think i think as a culture we can maybe be guilty of deifying Beyonce in the sense that I feel like we do create her as this god as this sort of you know everything she touches turns to gold basically my introduction to the segment was fairly religious in nature and I feel like she has kind of become a source of inspiration and also strength for many people many people that she probably didn't mean to become a a source for those things but she has become that I think that to me can be exhausting. I don't get exhausted by it because frankly, I think it's true. I think point like find me an artist that is doing anything on the level that she's doing. And what I would always say to a criticism like that about Beyonce is what else do you want her to fucking do? I literally don't know what else you want. Like she sings, she dances. She does that better than pretty much everyone else in the game. Her meticulous nature in her set design, stage design, lighting, everything, costuming, it's all there. So I don't know where that criticism comes from in the sense I don't know what else she can improve on. I think, do I understand the fatigue? Definitely. I can understand that maybe it's exa- like, if it's not maybe someone who you particularly vibe with, 
you know, it's a taste thing that it's maybe annoying that she can be so revered and it's a constant it's a constant thing she is never seemingly out of favor with the general public we seem we all love her or at least a huge maybe it's like like you know twitterverse only loves her there are obviously people who don't like her but i still think a lot of that discussion surrounding Beyonce i think has been earned so i think you watch this film and it is frankly it is probably the most captivating concert film that I've ever seen. It's There's more to it than just the concert aspects to it. And even if there wasn't, you know, the concert itself is fairly mesmerizing that it, I, I would have enjoyed it anyway. But there are moments where you do, like there's almost this humanization of Beyonce in this. In the, it's, it's a documentary, I guess. Doc, I think I, I use the word documentary and it is. It does document the making of the concert but also obviously the concert itself. So you see her kind of behind the scenes. You see her kind of working with the choreographers, working with the instrumentalists, all these people. And she's like really hands-on. You see her talking to her dancers. You see her rehearsing. You see her discussing how she was supposed to perform at Coachella the year before, but then she falls surprisingly pregnant. She has to cancel. You see her struggling to lose the weight. You Like she tells you what she has to do to, that she loses all that weight. It sounds intense. She basically doesn't eat anything. She lists off all the things that she doesn't eat. And it's, I was I literally sat there. I was like, what does she fucking eat then? She must eat like, just like lettuce and that's kind of it. But that was like the level of dedication and determination to do what she was going to do at Coachella last year was enough to push her through that. So there are these aspects of that. I think also as a whole, the Coachella or Beachella as the DJ Khaled um, introduction calls it, it's an expression and celebration of black culture. And it's so well researched and well presented. Again, I don't know what else we want from this woman. Like, so the documentary... It's littered with like black um, author quote, quotes from black authors, sorry, should I say. So like um, Toni Morrison is there who wrote The Colour Purple. Alice Walker is also in there. So it's literally everything about this is a celebration of black culture. So even down to her costuming, it's all based on historically black colleges and everything is like collegiate. And it's even the dance moves interpolated with her songs. And then her songs are taken from maybe their R&B sphere and they're added into this like marching band instrumentation and that's all stems from kind of african-american culture in general and it, the willingness of her to just let her music kind of be not let her she i think is dictating this but enabling her music to be changed and contorted into different genres in order to express what her culture is i think is really really important and also really interesting to watch she basically says it within the first 20 like 10 20 minutes she says that when she was asked to Coachella, it wasn't about getting her flower crown, which is a very Coachella image. You know, these like white, long haired girls walking around with like denim shorts and like crowns of flowers in their hair. Instead, it was about showing her culture to members of her own culture, but also the world in general. And I think it's a really powerful statement. And I think, yeah, not that I'm, not that you can't criticize Beyonce. I feel you can, you can do that. I think sometimes it can be, you can critique her music, you can critique maybe how she carries herself sometimes if that's your vibe. But for me, I fall firmly on the space that she is the most important musician of our time and is continuing to prove that to me at least. And I think when you watch this documentary, like moves even away from black culture and moves more into even like a black lives type of thing. It's like, this is how important we are. And I think it's a really, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I couldn't find fault with it. The only fault I have with it, and it's a fault that I had with, it's actually the concert in general, is they're called like the Bugaboos and they're like these like male dance troupe and I find their segments really, really tiresome. I'm like, they're not funny. They're not anything. And it's like a weird like moment for Beyonce to kind of chill out, I think a little bit. And she kind of walks with them and as opposed to like giving it socks. Like the energy levels other than that, it's like at 100 the entire time. And it never falters. The moves never falters. Her voice never falters. But that is the one aspect. And that's not even like, it's literally not, it's nothing. But if I had to like really nitpick, it's that I'm kind of like, do we need this? She brings out all these important people. Sorry, I'm talking a very long time here. But she brings out all these important people. She brings out Destiny's Child. She brings out Solange. Jay-Z, of course, makes his, you know, mandatory appearance. Um, And yeah, I feel like her music soars, her voice soars, she soars, everything 
that she touches is golden. And yes, that's how I feel about that. Okay, there's two things that I'm going to touch on here just before we move off of Beyonce, because originally this was supposed to be more of a documentary review and kind of saying the importance of it. But I just want to kind of touch on things that you've said about the documentary and Beyonce in general. So when I said that I'm over the whole Beyonce effect, it's not a case of I'm over Beyonce. Her talent is undeniable. I love her music. I continue to listen to her music every time something new is released or going back to her older stuff. Like she's an incredible artist. She's one of the best vocalists out there. And she has been for years. Her, her vocals only seem to improve throughout the years. It's incredible. And yet at the same time, she's been so well trained for years. She's an incredible dancer. And I love the fact that she is so heavy handed in the design work of as to how she's going to produce her concerts. It's incredible. This was seen before, like in other videos that she's done, like in prior run ups, like she does her tour video um, diaries and everything. And you can see how involved she is. And you can see how much like she when I say struggles, I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, like, oh, she's struggling, but like how much she like is struggling because she's putting in so many hours into getting the choreography right so many hours into making sure that the lights are correct like she barely sleeps so she's just struggling through these days of making everything perfect and i think the fact that she is a perfectionist is it, you can see that in any of her work it's brilliant when i say i'm over the beyonce effect i'm over the whole sense of if she releases something new if this documentary comes out if anything is released by her the world explodes and obviously i'm very happy for the fact that she has such an incredible fan base and she has such an like a supportive fan base and she kind of transcends a lot of different music genres and a lot of people are excited by her but i hate this animosity people have towards people who aren't particularly fond of her music or as you were saying something to do with like her, the way she carries herself some people just like to kick off on that so hugely because of the fact people idolize her to an extent that it's like you were saying before, it's tur- it's turning into her god. So for someone to not even come at her, and people do, of course they do. People try to find problems with everyone. But to come at someone for not wanting to listen to her newest album, to not wanting to watch the documentary, the animosity there is on a scale that I've never experienced with any other artist. And that, for me, is the Beyonce effect that I'm over. It's not Beyonce herself, but this whole Beyonce realm it's that effect that I'm over because it can just be so, so, so intense. Yeah, I can understand that. It is definitely an intense fan base. The Beehive does not take more than I think any other fan bases. I feel like in general, all fan bases are annoying, like low key. So I think we we can agree on that. What I would still say is I think I think for a lot of people, maybe because she is so, Beyonce is so like racially motivated in how she expresses herself and her music. And even in this documentary, in this film, in this set, everything's very aware of her culture that sometimes maybe people can be kind of flippantly dismissive of Beyonce. And it, it can come across like exactly that. It can come across as dismissive and there isn't much more that woman can do. So while I feel like all that kind of, um, godlike persona that we've given her I feel is well earned I can understand people not really getting it but I think then when you start to critique someone like Beyonce you have to be careful of how you do it and I think maybe sometimes people aren't necessarily doing that I think people can be very oh you know she, she gets up there and she shakes her ass and she talks about sex and she does this and this and that and it's like okay that rings a little bit maybe that if that you know like why is that unfair for her to do is because she's like a powerful black woman that you have this issue with and I feel like a lot of the issues that people have with her can be kind of diluted down into that and that's not to say that most people are there are people like people have different tastes like people don't like R&B people don't like female voices people don't like you know maybe kind of trap beats or people don't like Jay-Z even which might mean that they don't like her so there are all these different things but I feel like sometimes there is definitely an air that race does play a huge part into people's reaction to her. And that if that was even someone, okay, let me just critique one of my own faves. I love Taylor Swift. Um, also new single coming out next week. I know I mentioned it before I would got the month wrong, but you know, I was like, the inside loop. I had it, but I was just a month out. You know, it was like an American thing. It was like American dates, but even someone like her who was often compared to Beyonce, like there is no comparison there. Okay, I would the only thing I would compare Taylor Swift to Beyonce with is maybe songwriting. 
um, Beyonce songwriting credits have been hugely discussed in the past where she seems to be involved in every single song but maybe her actual kind of the level of input that she's having is maybe questionable where someone like Taylor Swift is very much from the you know strumming of the first chord she is there she's writing these songs and that would be where maybe I could compare the two and say well okay actually Taylor kind of trumps her here but on every other aspect I mean stage performance vocals production I mean even kind of a kind of cultural awareness all these things Beyonce surpasses someone like Taylor Swift on but for the longest time Taylor Swift was the world's little darling and she was revered and not that that was wrong I totally agree with that but I think it's also interesting to look at someone like Beyonce who was literally out there working her ass off and compare it with someone like Taylor who maybe doesn't outwardly you know as peer like you know she can often sit there and like strum a guitar or play piano which isn't doesn't require less talent but definitely requires work ethic or at least is not as obviously taxing on her body I guess I would say and I think that's a really interesting conversation we could have maybe another time but it's just I think a criticism Beyonce is a fair criticism when it's fair so if you said to me I don't like her voice I'm going okay if you said to me I don't like that song because it's you know Run the World Girls is a fairly divisive song. So you can say, I, I think that's all stuff that you can have, but I think to deny any type of talent, which obviously isn't what you're doing, but I mean, people, there are people out there who would try to deny and dismiss and belittle what she is capable of. And I feel like that's when the Beehive don't have any time for a criticism. Okay, I think what you're saying for the most part is fair. I do disagree just in terms of I have been on the other end of and I've seen many other people on the other end of it's like oh I'm not big into her album it's just not music I listen to and then I myself or other people have been criticized saying like oh well you don't understand the message or you aren't you're not looking at her lyrics like all of these things like oh no like so say for instance like that's not me like I've I can't think of any of her music that I dislike I'm using it as an example of of things that I've heard friends say or what I've seen online a lot of people come for even the smallest things like you like say for instance you're fine with someone like having a reason behind not liking something to do with her like oh I don't like her voice I don't like this aspect of her music that's grand but some people will kick off so hard at that and it's that type of animosity and as you were saying before like every fandom or even more importantly like every standom can go from zero to a hundred in absolutely milliseconds to defend the person that they idolize but I find maybe it's because of the fact that the beehive is so large and it is such a prevalent fan base. Maybe that's why I've noticed it so much with the beehive in particular. I just find that a lot of people kick off, but then they're trying to back up the reason why they're arguing with the facts like, oh, you're not you're not understanding how much of an advocate she is for African-American lives or you're 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 looking at it through a white lens and you can't see how important this is as, as a black artist it's that type of stuff that bothers me because people it's like they're trying to make a mountain out of a molehill because some people just aren't into her music and some people try to justify that and then they might turn to race or they might turn to someone's ignorance of a matter or something it's that type of stuff that bothers me oh i can understand that and i feel like maybe that could you know for someone like me that's not a big deal I'm kind of able to go and go, okay, you have that opinion on Beyonce, but let's move past that. But I can totally understand why somebody who maybe feels underrepresented and undervalued in society and is seeing someone of their demographic succeed in pretty much every avenue that she tries to apply herself to, I can understand why they find that very hard to take. It's kind of like, okay, well, what else? If, if someone like Beyonce still can't, you know, be universally loved why can't like what hope is there for someone like me who's a little old college student or whatever do you know what I mean so I can understand why people can get a bit antsy but I can also understand that that's fairly kind of tense and maybe just kind of a little bit frustrating scenario for both people involved so I think yeah I can understand that entire argument and I can understand what you're saying too I think you and I we're not going to come to a general consensus that acknowledges what each other feels entirely just because we're on two different spheres when it comes to the fan base I feel like you are much more devout to her than I am and I think it's interesting that we can have this discourse about it because like we're learning things that we might not have addressed before with ourselves but look all that matters to me is I think that Beyonce is an incredible woman she is incredibly inspiring to more 
than just the African-American community. She is inspiring to hopefully Americans. I hope they understand how much of a pillar she is to their community. She is an inspiring woman and is a great, great, great icon to have for children everywhere. So look, she's doing great things and all I want is the best for her. I think that's a pretty good place to stop. So do I. I think now, like okay. to be honest, I didn't even realize this until we got onto Beyonce. But this week for us is kind of our holy trinity of of black artists who are doing great at the moment. Okay, so tell us about this third okay, artist. So I'm a very big fan of his. This is Khalid. For anyone who doesn't know, Khalid is so he is from America. He is. 21 years old. He has just released an album called Free Spirit and I'll get into a couple of my favourite songs um, now shortly. But the real reason why I want to talk about him today is he has made such a conscious effort over the past couple of months in making his tickets and his merchandise and his album as affordable as possible for his fan base. And I cannot back that enough because especially his fan base would be fairly young. Like he'd have a lot of teenagers following him. And obviously, like, unless they've got a job or unless they've got, you know, a fortunate upbringing where they've got a bit of cash in the bank to be able to dip into, being able to buy concert tickets or albums for your favorite artist is so difficult. So I'm so happy that he's made a conscious effort in being able to include fans of all ages and all economic backgrounds. Yeah, I definitely think that's admirable on his part. I think I've seen... Maddie from the 1975 tweet about stuff like this about people paying to meet and greet their favourite artists the the prices of these tickets are literally uh, they're astronomical and they're not representative of maybe who the biggest fans are because oftentimes someone who is probably the biggest fan just doesn't have the economic doesn't have yeah doesn't have the finances to pay for a ticket to meet and greet their favourite artist so I've seen people try to suggest that, well, maybe there should be like some type of lottery or something along those lines where you get picked out and then you get to like, maybe you have to pay a little extra or probably don't pay anymore. And you're just lucky enough to meet the band or the artist of your dreams. And, you know, I feel like that's a much fairer way of doing things. But unfortunately, we live in a capitalist society and that doesn't make a lot of money if you're not charging any money for something that is a commodity so something like meeting your favorite artist is a privilege and we live in a world where we should pay for your privileges and i guess you know like look you're paying 500 euro to meet your favorite artist just to me doesn't really ring as a fair representation of that i think that's a lot of money to ask i think it just is a bit i don't know it's not very likable as opposed to something like Khalid is doing where he's trying to make his tickets and is actively doing it, make his tickets more affordable so that all his fans can go, I think is a really nice sentence. Definitely. And especially for such a young artist to be doing this, who's who's grown up in an industry where he's seeing all of his favourite artists charge a bomb to be able to go, to even just to go see them live, let alone to meet them or to attend a Q&A or to have any of these VIP experiences. I saw this really sweet exchange between Khalid and a fan on his Twitter so he's very active, which I love as well. Like he engages with his fans and it's very sweet. And there seems to be a very nice relationship between himself and his fans where like they tease each other or they mock each other a bit, but it all seems like in good in good fun and jest. And one of the things that I saw that I loved was um, one of his fans tweeted him saying, oh my God, um, can you please reply to me and tell my mom that I won't get kidnapped if I go to your concert alone. And he replied saying, oh, tell her if I give you a free ticket, will you be able to go? So the fan was like, oh my God, I've screenshot that. I'm sending that to her now. Fingers crossed. And he replied with, oh, he's like, he's like, I'm going to DM you now. And he's like, give you guys tickets and I'm going to give you meet and greet so you can go. And I just thought that was so sweet. And it, obviously there's a whole fairness thing that has to be kind of taken into account. Then it's like, why should one person get special treatment over someone else? But just the fact that he engaged and listened and tried to help get a fan to his show and was giving out of pocket tickets to this fan and to her mom or to her friend or to whoever just so that she can see one of her favorite artists in person i love that i think it's so sweet and it kind of for me it kind of emulates the whole lottery experience in terms of you know some people get lucky and some people don't but like that's life so i'm so happy for that fan that she gets to experience that 
thing as well though that I find just unfortunate for Khalid in particular so he was pretty much delaying his launch dates for when the album was going to be released and when the tickets were going to be released because they were synonymous so I remember him tweeting saying something along the lines of um oh guys like it was supposed to be released in two days time but I'm still negotiating prices so it's going to be delayed by another five days I'm sorry about this I'm just doing my best for you and then some fan replied to him along the lines I was like oh well your merch is this price how much was it was it before this is ridiculous and he's like well it was more expensive I'm trying to make it as affordable as possible so he's out there trying really hard creating this dialogue with fans so people know that he is actively thinking of their better interests and then I saw this online I was looking through various ticket prices across the globe and I was looking at the United States and some of the tickets were starting from say $30 but then depending on the state so you'd be getting your ticket for you know General Assembly for $30 and then you would have to be paying like $28 of tax which is essentially the same equivalent of the ticket but that's entirely out of his hands and it's just so unfortunate that when you see someone working so hard to be inclusive to let everyone go to the concert and then have something as ridiculous as the tax system in America to delay that or to like to possibly stop someone from going to a concert. I just find so unfortunate. Yeah, I think we can definitely agree on that. And, you know, the tax system in America is kind of wild. I'm, it, you know, I think when you see the price of things, you think you're getting a really good deal and then they just slap on this extra like 20% or wherever it can be. And you're like kind of shocked, but yeah, it's whack. But I think it's also important that we really move on. We've, we can agree that Khalid is a great guy, or at least comes across like that. Sorry, that didn't need to be said, but I said anyway, yes, we'll move on. So I think we need to talk about the music. Okay, well, I'm actually quite interested to hear what you have to say about the album, because here I am kind of spouting out all the reasons why I love Khalid. But do you like the album? Um... <laughs> 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 okay do i like the i don't know uh, no i don't like the album i don't think it's i don't think it's bad i don't think he makes bad music by any stretch of the imagination i'm sorry laura i'm gonna drag you but i can't help myself once something gets in my head he reminds me a little bit of sean mendes in the sense that he's not making How is that objectively drag? bad oh my well you haven't let me finish okay. the sentence yet he's not making objectively bad music but he's just making music that I just don't care about I don't care about it because it doesn't do enough in the sense that it's all so flat and everything is very one-dimensional and everything is very by the numbers there's no experimentation or you know widening of anything and like look music doesn't always have to be like that and sometimes a bop is a bop and I love you know I can really recognize bops I love a bop but I think a lot of those songs don't even work on that level now he has some good songs on it I took notes while I was listening to the album and frankly, I'm like, you know, I think it could have really done with some editing. I think we could have gotten rid of five songs there and I wouldn't have cared. And I don't think, I think the album would be stronger for it. I think sometimes people can get a little bit overzealous and putting on like, you know, like I think this is a 17 track song. Like that's a lot of songs. And like, realistically, they're not all great. You know what I mean? Like something, even like I would say like, not to bring in my fave, but if I'm talking about Ariana, like if she had a 17 track album, I wouldn't vibe with every song on that album either. So a lot of times I think, and it's a sign of a really strong artist, I think is the ability to cut down tracks and to edit stuff out and get rid of stuff that is unnecessary and to take that out. And I feel like Khalid doesn't have that yet. And a lot of the songs for me melted into one. I found it repetitive. I find his voice can be fairly monotonous and almost kind of gloomy. It's, you know, I don't know. I There are some songs I like. So, okay. I think the intro is amazing, which is whack to me. That First of all, it's called Intro. And it's quite possibly one of the best songs in the album. I think does that and Miss Justice. I like Better. I like Right Back. I like Don't Pretend. And I like 21. And everything else to me is faceless Spotify music that doesn't stand out from anything else like that you could hear on like Spotify playlist somewhere and maybe I'm just not getting the Khalid thing and like I said it's not that I just like him I think he's a nice person I think objectively his voice is and I wouldn't say good but I would say interesting you know there are his tone is good and you know his diction is terrible but we'll move past that but it's all a bit nothing to me I think is my general concept like look if I'm honest 
if I didn't do this podcast, I wouldn't have listened to it and I wouldn't have formed an opinion on it because it would have been that amount of nothingness that I would have just forgotten that I'd listened to it already. But for the sake of the podcast, I try to retain some type of opinion on it. Okay, guys, I do wish you could see me right now because I'm like, I feel like I've just taken punches to the gut there. Whoa, you <laughs> kicked off. Oh, did I? I was trying to. I thought I was being no, restrained. Alex, there was no restraint there. Poor Khalid. His his oh. leg is like in a whole different continent now. He has been snatched. Oh my god! <laughs> right. Okay. So first of all, I need to apologize to any listeners who were possibly listening with headphones when I kicked off when Alex said anything about Sean Mendes. That was involuntary. It's just my visceral instinct to defend the man that I love. So I'm sorry for anyone <laughs> when I kicked off there a minute ago. Now back to Khalid. I won't lie. I think now, in fairness, fair play to you at least for listening to it, even on behalf of the podcast so that you could formulate an opinion. That is very good. I do think you are being particularly harsh, but I think it could just be the fact that you don't tend to go for artists who like you don't tend to go for male singing artists. That's your demographic. And that's all G because I'm, as we were saying before in different episodes, I'm the same. I'm on the opposite end of the sphere and I tend to not listen to women as much. However, I respect what you said in terms of like you know a good artist is a person who can distill down their album and you know have only select few tracks say for instance that most artists tend to go for 14 tracks we'll say well it depends on the artist some people tend to distill down too much and can, can go for 10 i there's not one track on this that i dislike and for me that's big like i will listen to copious amounts of music every day the, you know albums that i've listened to for years new albums and there will tend to be skips for me there's nothing on this that I'm wanting to skip. No, actually, no, I will lie. The only one that I do want to skip is talk, but that's just because I've heard it too much on the radio. So, Okay, well, let me just interject really quickly there. Talk is probably my favourite song. Oh, my album. I think God. it's the one. <laughs> I think it's the one song that pops. It, 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 it pushes itself past the mediocrity and, like, I think what? it, like, salience out. And Whoa. it's there. I think... Yeah, okay, and also just to pick up on something you said, I'll let you finish your point because that was rude of me to interject and apologise, but I just wanted to say that. But also, okay, so you're not skipping anything, but do you think that anything on this album is essential listening? Oh my God, I do. That's what I'm trying to get into. Like, the, So I have like a handful of favourites that I have been listening to on repeat for days now because I love them. So for me, okay, my favourite, 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 ultimate favourite is Free Spirit. I think that is a beautiful song. And it's so happy and you're listening to it and it's just like this overwhelming kind of sense of, of be, and it sounds stupid to say being free, but it's, you know, when you kind of have that song and you can literally just close your eyes and you feel like you've just been transported into this kind of safe, like, like harmonic sense of just being able to like meditate and be free. That for me is free spirit. Like it's in the title and I know it's also the name of the album, but for me, it's so representative of, you know meditation and being able to let go i love free spirit and that is like the ultimate number one that i'd recommend to people i will make a promise and i will listen to that song i look i'm not gonna listen to the album again i really wish i could well i don't i really wish i could make the time no i really wish i could i really wish i could be bothered to listen to it again but i can't so i will listen to that one song and next week i will report back and we'll see has my opinion changed. I will say Don't Pretend is a bop. And I actually do actively like that song. Um, so that's something. Yeah, I know. think what's quite interesting is you and I, even though we have an overlap of very similar music interests, we also have very different tastes. So say, for instance, I can't see you liking Free Spirits. So I, I look forward to hearing what you have to say about it next week. But say, for instance, the only overlap we have there of songs that we both enjoy I love better. My favorite lyric in the whole album has to be the very first line of better when he says, love to see you shine in the night like the diamond you are. I find that so beautiful and so, so clear. Like it's just, it's a really, really sweet kind of notion that, you know, of looking at someone you love and everything. I love it, especially because I, I would use the term, you know, the, the pet name is like, oh, you're such a diamond or something. So to, then to hear him use it in the song like that, I, it just connected with me and I loved it. But I think Better is an amazing song. And I love even the soundbite at, at the very start of him talking to who could even be, you know, the woman in question that he's actually singing about. But it's just, no, I think it's great. I love it. Okay, so just to take that aspect of it. Okay, the lyrics for me 
I struggle with because I think his diction is so poor. I struggle to understand what he says a lot of the time. And maybe if I was listening with like, you know, kind of like genius up or something, so I could see the lyrics, it might help my reaction to the album. But this, I think you've picked a really interesting line that you think that line is really cute and gorgeous. And it is objectively, I keep saying objectively because this is how I feel about Khalid. It is not bad lyrics. There is nothing, he's not doing anything bad, but it's like that line to me, like Rihanna sang about Diamonds in the Sky in 2012. It's not giving me anything new. It's not giving me anything that I hadn't heard before. And it's not giving me any type of like, I'm never, okay. So with the Billy Irish album, when we, I was listening to that, there were moments now. Okay. I think it's probably unfair to compare a child prodigy with someone like Khalid. That's a subtle drag. Hope you picked it up on it. But there were moments on that album where I literally went, went like, whoa, you know, like, oh my God. Okay. Whoa. There wasn't a single time I kind of looked you know like you kind of look in the distance and you go okay what's he doing here this is really interesting this is really new this is really nice this is really good there was there are no moments for me on that album it all just blended into one nothing pushes itself outside of its very comfortable sphere and that's it's you know music is allowed to be comfortable you know and it in turn probably gives a lot of comfort to the people who like to listen to it but for me someone who probably isn't going to be objectively i keep saying that word objectively i'm so sorry listeners but someone like me who probably isn't going to listen to someone like him it's not convincing me that I was wrong to not listen to someone like him if that makes any sense mm. I'm trying very hard to kind of so say for instance like you know when basically I'm kind of nearly in my head reiterating what I was saying about the whole like beehive thing like when someone comes for your favorite artist I know people lash out so I'm trying very hard to not lash out at what you're saying and I probably did a little bit beforehand so I apologize for that I just, for me, a lot of the stuff you're saying is not stuff that I agree with. I'll just say off the bat to say, for instance, I really enjoy his voice. I find it really soothing. I think it suits the music that he goes for. And he has, he's got like, he's dipping his, his like toes into a few different genres on the album. Like say, for instance, like just looking at better than let's look at don't pretend. And let's look at out of my head, like three very different sounds, but we'll get to surpass that. I would disagree as far as the lyrics go. Sure, yes, Rihanna mentioned diamonds in the sky, what, X amount of years ago. That doesn't mean that diamonds can't then be used again in lyrics. But look, we're not, we're not fighting on that portion. Like, there's other things that, I, like, I listen and then, like, I will latch on to the lyrics. Like, say, for instance, in Free Spirit, I love when he's like, is this heaven or Armageddon? Because, like, it, like, there's just, for me, there's a lot of stuff that I can resonate with within his music. So, I don't know if it's just down to the fact that you and I have different tastes and that's why we're not seeing eye to eye on it because I feel like with any of our other album reviews that we've done over the past few episodes that we've had a very similar very similar experience with the album where we both have loved it and maybe there's been like two or three songs that we don't necessarily agree with but I find it interesting now that we're discussing an album that that you really don't gel with and that I have on repeat so I'm kind of trying to understand why it is that we're feeling this way. So say for instance, like even Saturday nights, do you not like Saturday nights? I feel that would be a definite song for you. Yes, I do like that song, but that was on the EP that he released a couple of months ago. I feel, here's my, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting a bit, look, I think I'm open to the idea of him being a good artist. I liked American Teen. I'm not going to lie and say that it was like one of my most played albums or that I could name you even three songs of that album. But I enjoyed it when I listened to it before when it came out initially. This to me sounds like Spotify music in all the negative connotations that that word has. It's faceless, generic, not tuneless by any means, but it's not special in my, to my ear. It doesn't, nothing to me sounds so like, okay, to pick back up on the diamonds line, like when that, when diamonds came out, I think everyone, and even now, for example, okay, only recently one of my friends sent me that pic- uh, video of that song was like this song is a fucking banger I don't think in six years time or seven years time actually I think Diamonds was 2012 could have been 2011 I don't think in six seven years time people are going to be like you know it's a great song Free Spirit by Khalid I don't think that's going to happen I think it's very it's music of the now in that it's popular now and I think it's going to you know it placates the fans until you know next year he releases another album and then that album does that and that's okay but I think if we're going to talk about it and dissect it and review it, I like to keep a fairly steady criterion. 
And for me, it doesn't not tick any boxes, but it doesn't tick a lot of the boxes that would make it music that I would actively listen to and like. And I don't know, maybe we'll have to come back, you know, in seven years time and think about it. But I don't think any of this album is going to be even something like better or talk. I like talk, but I recognize talk is just a bop that I really enjoy. And that in a year's time, there'll be like 27,000 other songs that I really enjoy. I'm not going to be listening to talk in three years time. And I don't think there's any other song on that album, even better, who probably is probably the most widely liked by both critics and the fans. I don't think even a song like Better is going to be, you know, everyone's favorite song in three or four years. So the type of music that I listen to is music that I want to be able to take forward with me and doesn't just work in the present. I think Khalid makes music for the present and not for the future. I think we're not going to be able to agree on a lot of sentiments in terms of the album. And that's totally fair. Like, it's always interesting to hear someone else's view. And I feel we've done that a lot in today's episode with the things we've discussed. For me, I feel like you're being too harsh on them. But look, to each their own opinion. And I don't I don't want to jump down your throat and you're not jumping down mine. So we're not going to find a happy middle ground on this. It's just not an album or necessarily an artist that the two of us are going to believe in. And I can pretty much say off the bat it's not a concert the two of us are going to be attending together but I look I enjoy the album and for any of our listeners who want to invest time into listening to a few songs my favorites are as I was saying before better free spirit I love Saturday nights I know it came off the EP and it's kind of in a way it's maybe a bit of a shame the fact that a lot of the songs I like are are a lot of the singles that he's released from the album but I love out of my head that for me was like came completely out of left field it's a song that he does with John Mayer and it has this amazing John Mayer guitar riff within it and it's just not what I expected at all and in a way it doesn't fit with the album but I like that it doesn't fit with the album because it's touching on something that he doesn't do in any of the other songs so for me I enjoy that but those would be my songs to listen to anyway so we're now going to turn our attention to quite possibly one of the most important TV shows of all time, Game of Thrones. So if you don't want to be spoiled, if you don't watch, if you don't have any interest, whatever your reasoning might be, this is your spoiler warning. It's time to knock off the podcast. It's time to turn it off. So this is goodbye. It's goodbye from me. Laura, do you want to say goodbye? I don't, to be honest, because I want people to stay because you should be watching Game of Thrones, guys. That's my view on it. But I suppose if you're, if you're leaving us, if you're nipping out early, if you're doing an Irish exit, goodbye for now and we will see you next Friday yes we will see you next Friday and we hope you've liked the episode this far okay okay so, so I'm really excited about this I I love Game of Thrones I've been watching it for has it actually been on 10 years I was wondering this the other day because that's what, what one of the actors said on Instagram and I couldn't believe that it's been going for so long I feel like it wasn't it's not 10 I kind of think it was 2011 ish time I actually don't know yeah I felt I was 16 or so when it started but maybe they've been involved in the process for 10 years when you think of like casting and like yes but look this would make sense yeah it has been a decade of a wonderful wonderful show yeah a great show and a show that we both loved, and I've read the books. And have you read the books, or no? I, oh, and oh, oh, god! I wish you hadn't asked me that. It makes me so ashamed because I love to read, and I've never read them. No, I feel like, to, I, as someone who enjoyed the books, the books are dense, they're heavy. It's not an easy read. And ultimately, what's happened now is that the TV show has surpassed the books. So the books are talking about things that you know we've moved on. We know the ending too. So. Uh, not that they've become slightly irrelevant, but especially, well, if you want to be on the very cusp of Game of Thrones, you have to be watching the TV show. The books aren't enough anymore. We've moved past them. They're kind of not as important as they used to be. So until George releases the next two, I kind of feel like you don't have any rush. And I feel like once you're invested in the TV show, I think we're on the same page. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, now this is just a theory, but I feel at this stage he's not even going to release the next two books because he's given the ending away to the showrunners. They know what's happening. And I know that it doesn't follow the storyline of the books anymore, but it will end the way how George had intended. So look, we'll see what happens. But let's get on to the actual episode. So assuming, guys, that you have all been watching and you're up to date and your fans like myself and Alex, well then, we don't need to give a preamble as to what happened last season. Last season was a good season, I think. But, you know, it was two years ago. I think we're all just chomping at the bit to talk about this season. 
So I don't think we're going to do a particularly in-depth review, Laura. I don't know, maybe that's the vibe that you want, but I think we're just going to, you know, briefly, broad strokes, talk about our feelings about the episode and yeah. No, that sounds perfect. For me, I'm more just saying that we should talk about what we thought was good for the first episode. Was there anything else we would have wanted from the first episode? But I personally, I'm very happy with everything that they dipped into. Yeah, I'm fairly happy too. I think it's a bit of a builder episode in the sense that I think it's setting up the rest of the season. But I'm glad that we seem to at least have gotten all our important players to their spots in a quickly. And like, you know, I think last season we had a couple of times where like people would just like run and like, you know, 20 minutes later, they'd be like back where it took like a whole episode for them to get to the previously. And there was like this kind of time jumping aspect. I feel like I didn't notice anything like that in this first episode, but we seemed to have gotten everyone to where they need to be fairly quickly and you know accurately so i'm happy about that i think visually everything is on point there are a couple of great lines in this episode as well which i forgot it's because it's been so long since i watched it. i think you kind of forgot or sorry i kind of forgot the vibe of the show and i remember i stayed up till two to watch it and i remember halfway through being like i fucking love this show like there's just so much about the show that i like i love the characters i like the scenery i like the sets i like the fucking action i like the dialogues i like everything about that show i think is great and I'm really happy with this first episode. I think Cersei's being Cersei. We love Cersei. I think Danny's being Danny. And I think everyone's doing their things. And I'm ready for the next four, five, sorry, five episodes. And, you know, hopefully they all continue in this vein. I feel like it's really well made. And I literally don't have any critiques for this episode. It's not going to blow your socks off. I don't think it's that type of episode. But it's definitely, it, like, you know, a decent Game of Thrones episode is still pretty much better than 99% of any other TV show on TV. So it's still pretty great. Yeah, and like to be honest, like it was never going to be this massive revelation of an episode because they couldn't start the first episode like that. Like They just have to pick up where they left off. And I think they did because they included all the storylines that we kind of wanted to catch up on and we got to see bits that we've all been waiting for. Like, I'm sorry, who hasn't been waiting for John and Arya to be reunited? That like I was waiting for that all of last season. That's all I wanted was to see the hug and to see that little emotional release for the two of them because they both needed it. Yeah, it was very moving, that scene. And I think Arya and John are probably two of the most popular characters in the whole series. So to see them finally get together, especially when, you know, it's easy to forget like how seasons four and five where, you know, we didn't, and like literally John died. So that wasn't always going to happen. And there were times when I'm sure we all didn't think it would happen. And so to actually see it come true, and to see them reunited is a really moving moment. Absolutely. Now, there are things I do want to unpack because like, there's some things that, for me, I'm like, why did that happen? So say, for instance, why did Cersei sleep with Euron? I still don't understand that. Um, I, like, I like, guess... I understand the bet and, like, the promise, but at the same time, it's Cersei. Like, what? Just, I don't understand it. I don't understand why she would sleep with them. Yeah, I kind of struggle with that too, I think. I was, it, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. It kind of didn't make sense to me. It didn't seem like she enjoyed it. It didn't see like seem like she wanted him that badly. And it, I, I don't understand. But I'm sure there probably is a play that she's trying to make, and maybe in the next episode will be enlightened. But it, it did kind of jump out as sort of out of character, and also her words are literally the opposite of her actions but maybe that's what we're supposed to be picking up on that and that maybe she's not sending her army up to the north to help she's sending them up there to attack her you know so maybe it's just to remind us of her slightly duplicitous and you know to remind us to second guess everything Cersei's doing or something I don't know but yeah definitely a weird moment yeah I don't know if it was just to highlight the fact that her character is breaking in terms of like this strong queen that we're used to or this very kind of venomous woman who only kind of really cares for herself especially now that Jamie's left her but it just, I hope that they actually do address it or that it shows that it was some sort, sort of ploy on her part because for me at the moment, it just makes no sense. Like I can't find a plot point that it fits in with because she already has the army from him and she could just keep toying with him for another episode or two. But look, we'll see with that, I suppose. But yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to unpack? Um, I think it's important. Okay, so John rides the dragon. I think that's an important note to take. There were also... It's confirmed or revealed if you're not into the whole like theories that John is not 
a Stark, but is in fact a Targaryen, which then makes Danny his auntie, and it's this whole thing. So that's obviously important. But we didn't get much of a fallout. It's just more the reveal happens this week. So presumably all those revelations are going to be kind of unpacked next week in next week's episode. So I'm just, I think I'm excited it's back. I'm so happy it's back. I think this episode didn't disappoint me. It didn't blow me away either, but I wasn't expecting it to. And I'm here for the rest of the season. And I just, I'm really excited to see how it ends. And I hope it ends happily. So, well, I don't think it's going to end happily, but look, it will hopefully be a satisfying ending. Two things I really want to point out from this episode we just had this week really quickly. First of all, one of the things that did annoy me was when, so after Danny and John rode off into the sunset on their, on their dragons and they're just hanging out by a waterfall and they then just start wearing the face off each other. I thought it was so awkward. It was like, it was like a weird teen film. I'm like, what? what like what why are they doing this why are they what was this whole well keep your queen warm moment it was from like it was weird like it's quite obvious that they're falling for each other and that they're entangled with each other especially you know with all of the with all of the hands of the king and the queen and 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 berries and stuff oh no it's not berries but you, you know the the eunuch guy they're all up on the castle wall being like oh a proposal would be great so we know there's something going on so i thought that that was a bit of a redundant scene Obviously, it was great having the dragons. We love the dragons. And then the other part, and I'm this is the one that I'm most excited. Well, there's two parts for episode two that I'm most excited for. I cannot wait to see the Jamie trial. And then also, I'm very excited to see what John does about now knowing that he is king. Well, technically, the first in line to be king. Because when, when Sam said, you gave up your throne for her to be queen, would she do the same? I'm like, well, would she? Realistically, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. And I think when he says that, it really cuts to the issue at hand is that I'm a fan of Danny, but she's also, she thinks she is born to rule. And I don't think anyone is going to stop her from ruling. So I don't think her, you know, John coming to her and being like, actually, Danny, huh, yikes, I'm actually the heir. I feel like she'd almost laugh that off and she'd be like, well, I have the dragons. So I think we're setting up this sort of, I don't think he, I don't think we're going to, I, w- I don't think we're going to see the fallout from that revelation next episode. I feel like that might be something that we see in a later time. But I'm also thinking, does he need to rule? So, In the sense that she seems to be more than capable of doing that. Does, you know, and if consu- presumably they've ruled together. Does he need to be more than what he is to her now? I don't know. We'll have to find out. We will. So I have an end game theory and I don't know whether I should reveal it this week or next week, but what do you think, Al? Should I go with my theory? I feel like do it this week. Okay, let's go first. Let's see. It'll be more impressive if you're right. I feel I won't be, but anyone I've told this theory to has said that they would like this to happen. Basically, okay. my theory for the end game is going to be, I think Danny's going to die because no one wants her to die because she's a fan favorite. And like, she's been through so much stuff for her to die before she either gets to the throne or before something's decided might be anticlimactic but what I think will happen is I think she's going to die she could be pregnant we'll, we'll glaze over that because at the moment it's just a bit awkward and I think I think everyone's going to want John to assume the throne John has never wanted the throne he's never wanted to be king it's not anything that's ever been on his bucket list it's just it's kind of a role he's always had to assume for someone else in order in order to like draw a community together and he's done it very well and I think he is an incredible leader however I think Danny's gonna die everyone is going to want him to assume the throne then and be like look you're the leader we all want and he's like no I don't want this and instead I think he's going to set up like a democratic parliament where everyone is going to have their own figurehead from each kind of community and each each state within Westeros so that this will be the beginning of democracy then. And instead of having this like one king or this one dictator or this one whoever, it's going to set up this new founded government and this new way of, of having a governing body throughout all of Westeros. And that's what I think will possibly happen or I think what should happen because the only person everyone's going to want to assume the throne will be John because pretty much everyone else now has been ruled out. And I don't think he's going to want that. And that's why I think he's going to set up this democratic parliament. Which I think would be a really good way of ending. I mean, the world has to change. It can't continue on the way it has. I think someone like Cersei has to die. All these sort of like problematic people who want to rule and like the throne as a sort of 
peak to be climbed and to be conquered that whole idea of monarchy i think needs to be thrown out and i feel like that's probably i think that's actually a really good theory it's one that i've seen floated around online and i feel like i would be a, i would be on board with the kind of abolition of the monarchy and this introduction of like democracy i feel like that would be a really nice way of ending it i don't want to see danny die but i think like i kind of alluded to i think she kind of has to die because do i think she's going to give up her throne no no exactly she's now verging on this sense of insanity that runs through her family and stuff like that and you kind of see that a bit with the fact that she's now obviously her hardening and turning a bit more cruel is just more a symptom of what she's been through and that she kind of has to rule more with an iron fist but there's something a little bit when I say cruel to her, it's like in, on a kind of a bit of a twisted axis that it's like it's past being a solid and undeniable leader, but it's more kind of verging on cruel. So for me, I think she's going to kick the bucket. Which will be a sad, sad scene, but. But good television. Good television. I think that sentence could be used in Game of Thrones reviews. I hope to see us on the cover of the box set when it you know eventually is released yeah obviously we're gonna be the dragons oh interesting okay i'm i think i'm drogon ah well i suppose you are older so i'll allow it (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) okay guys on that note we're gonna call it quits this week before alex like absolutely just bursts into tears over that remark yes i think that's a good place to end it before i unfriend and block lord which on all social media platforms so we hope you didn't miss us too much last week we're back to our weekly drops so this is this week i feel like we've really you know i don't think we missed a step i feel like we've you know found our footing quite quickly and yeah i hope you all enjoy tell your friends subscribe rate we're on spotify again for all you android people who don't you know know that So please listen to us. Please tell your friends to listen to us. And yeah, we'll see you all here next Friday. See you then, guys. Have a good week.